All right, well, we're sure glad you could be here. Hey, before we get started uh, on our message this morning, we just sang a song two songs ago called Breathe on Us. Breathe on us. Listen to the words. There is a shaking. Let hearts awaken. Our God is moving, forever changing us. There is a trembling. There is revival. The sound of worship, so great and glorious. And then the chorus goes like this. Breathe on us. Breathe on us. Come and fill this place with your presence. Like a rushing wind, send your spirit here. We have a record of this happening in Scripture. Okay, I'd like to go to the announcements and I'd like to preach, but I've got to start with this. I just got to, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, Jesus tells his followers, his disciples, do not leave. Actually, what that word leave there means, don't rip away. Don't, don't blast out of here. Don't, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift. The gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized you with water, but in a few days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. Breathe on us, breathe on us, breathe. Holy Spirit, breathe on us, breathe on us. I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to ask you, do you really want God to breathe on us? Do you want to stand here on a Sunday morning and say, breathe on us, holy fire fall, come and fill this place with your presence. Do you want to see that? Because that's not going to come when we say, Breathe on us, holy fire fall. Come and fill this place with your presence. Right? When there was, when salvation came, transformation came. Something happened. People didn't stay the same. As a matter of fact, we read on. And they said, uh, the, the disciples said, Lord, uh, are you going to restore Israel, restore your kingdom to Israel? He said, that's not for you to know the time or the place. My, my father owns that. But you will receive the Holy Spirit. When he comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to, there's going to be such change and transformation in your heart that people are going to sit back and go, that guy's been with Jesus. That guy's been in God's presence. They're going to recognize that. And when Pentecost came, just let your, let, just let your brain go here for a minute, okay? Just let your mind go for it here. Look around the room. We're probably not quite 120 people, but we're probably close to 100. There's 120 people in this upper room. And they were praying because they're under persecution. People are looking to kill them. I bet you their, their prayers were pretty fervent. I bet you they weren't just saying, oh, God, if you'd show up and bless Johnny, it would really be a good thing. Right? We, we got Saul. He's, he's persecuting us, God. If, can you imagine? Okay, just let your brain go here for a minute. Can you imagine somebody hunting you down for your faith? You ever thought of that? Persecution coming to the point that if you gather together, somebody's, somebody's coming for you? I bet that there was some pretty serious crying out, right? I don't think it was just, oh, well, let's see what happens. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole place where they were sitting. You hear our fans? You wouldn't hear the fans. We were in Seattle, Washington. My family and I were on vacation in Seattle, Washington. And the blue angels were flying that weekend. And before the blue angels fly, there's a drone squad. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a drone squad that flies. They're gray jets. They're all grayed out. And they fly the perimeter. Wherever the blue angels are flying, these guys are flying the perimeter, making sure that nothing's coming in that airspace. So we're standing at the fence when these gray, when the, when the drone squad is taken off. We're standing there. And all four of these drone jets took off at the same time. I mean, literally, you could just feel it. It was so powerful that car alarms were going off in the, in the parking lot. Every car alarm in the whole parking lot bleep, 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 was going off because of the pressure and the power. These jets, in my imagination, goes to the Holy Spirit. Filling that room. Feeling, I don't think it was just this little... That must be the Holy Ghost or a mosquito. What was that? I don't think that was it. I think God's presence filled the room. And folks, God wants to do that in our hearts today. He wants to do that in our hearts today, every day. Pentecost wasn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago and never is going to happen again. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that one event. But God wants to fill our hearts. He wants to change. He wants to move in our lives, right? So that when he does that, there is no denying that you've been in God's presence. No denying. No denying. It's like God really moved. Moses came. Oh, boy. I'm, Moses gets the Ten Commandments. He comes down off the mount, off that mountain, and he's going to have to cover his face because his face is so bright. It's glowing so bright. They have to cover. He's got to put on a veil. Have you ever been in God's presence and you just go, man, this is rich, this is good, this is really powerful. I believe God wants to do that in our lives. I don't think he's done with moving in our hearts and our lives and changing and transforming us. We're going to talk about righteousness today, but we're not just talking about, it's not just, it's not just okay, I'm right with God. It's that our righteousness should be so tangible that people go, you there's something different about you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to move in your life like that? I believe he does. I believe he's looking for a people who are willing to, to get before him and not let go. Jesus said, don't rip away. Don't blast out of here. Hang around, stick around. Stick around, hang around, stay here. Stay here. I'm leaving, you stay Hang on, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, there's going to be transformation in your life you, like you can't even imagine. You realize, right, that Peter was a fisherman. All, he was just a fisherman. Probably, we've been watching the, the, uh, the Chosen series, probably a pretty rough character. And he goes from that to standing up and preaching in front of... 3,000 people come to Jesus in one day. How does that happen? Because he studied so much? No, no. 
No, 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 no. Paul studied. Paul studied a lot. Paul studied so much that he figured everybody had to do it the right way. And if they didn't do it the right way, and if you call Jesus Jesus, and you think he's, then we got to kill you. I mean, he was studied, right? He had all of his own righteousness, his own self-righteousness. He had it all gelled up inside of him. And if you don't do it right, we'll just take you out and beat you up. Shut up. You can't preach in the name of Jesus again. And yet there was a transformation. There was a change. When he had an encounter with God, and you got a place, you got a place in your life where you can go to get an encounter with God. Jim Hokinson talks about a stump. You got a stump. You got a place where you can sit and just be quiet and hang out and wait. Just wait. Just wait. Sometimes we got to just wait until we hear the Lord moving in our hearts. Sometimes we just got to get rid of every distraction. We got to push all these things aside because God wants to move in our hearts and in our lives. He wants transformation in our lives, folks. We are really, boy, I wasn't planning on stepping on this many toes this early in the service. But you know what? Unless we're actually moving like that, we're really not the church. Did I say that out loud? We're really not functioning. I think the early church, I, I think they, they, people, I'm in a boat one day on a lake and I saw this whole flock of ducks. You ever seen those really big leeches, like really big leeches? You ever seen a really big, like a really big leech? They make me go, you know what, I'm not going swimming here. I just, I'm going to another lake. I'm watching one day, I don't know where I was at, I don't even remember the lake. I'm on the lake and there's this whole flock of ducks and all of a sudden I see these ducks moving. And here comes this big leech across the top of the water. Like what's he going to do, ride them? I don't know. But they all moved. I think that's what God's presence does in us. I don't think people have to move out of our way, but they know that you're in God's presence. I did this once before, I'm going to do it again. Watch me, I'm going to walk over here. There's a hole in the curtain somewhere. Here it is. Watch this. People over here, they're cheating. They're watching me. They really see me. They already see me. Watch this. When I walk through, you know about where I'm at, right? Because the curtains are moving, right? You see that? You see where I'm at? I believe that God's presence does that. I believe that there's an air that we push around. Because we're something special? No, because he's something special. Because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Man, I should get to the announcements. <laughs> God wants to move in our hearts and in our lives. He wants to move in your heart and in your life. And he wants to change you and transform you so much that you're almost not recognizable. Do you buy that? Do you buy that? I mean, do you really believe that? Like God wants to change you so much. I've seen that. I've seen that happen. I saw it happen to somebody in this congregation. I've seen it. Your sound guy back here has no idea I'm going to point him out. First time I met him, he was back in that back room, and he was about as grumpy as the day is long. Tinting that back window, had a pair of bibs on, didn't want to see me, didn't. Just ornery, standing there, just ornery. 
finally after some, it really was that way, Keith. It really was. Just, I thought, boy, God's got something for that guy. <laughs> Number of things happened, a few events happened in his life. Finally, he decided, you know what, I'm coming to church. He comes to church one Sunday morning. One Sunday. One service. Runs up here, shakes my hand. Doesn't just shake my hand. He shakes my hand. I didn't know church could be like this. It wasn't, it wasn't, and that's not about church. That's not about here. That's about Jesus. I saw him the next week. I'm walking through Walmart. No joke. That was a quick conversation that we had here. Walking through Walmart, and he comes up to me, and he shakes my hand in Walmart, and I'm thinking, who is this guy? You know why? His whole countenance was changed. Everything about him was changed. It's the same guy. I literally was thinking, oh, 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 Keith, hey, how's it going? I think God wants to move in our lives so much that people go, you know what? I'm, I'm sure that's the same face. Did you dye your hair? Did you get new glasses? Have you had a facelift? What's going on? Things that we wouldn't ask. God wants to transform us to that degree. And here's the deal. I don't care if you've been a believer for 50 years. God can freshen you up. I believe that. I believe he wants to continue to change us and transform us and renew us and restore us. Be careful when you start praying, breathe on us, breathe on us. Be careful. Holy Spirit begins to breathe on us. He's going to change. He's going to change some things in your life. I believe it. Few announcements before I move into the real message. That was just that one was free. Your tithe didn't cover any of that, okay? <laughs> that one was free. That's bonus sermon number one. <clears throat> this could be a long day, folks. We're gonna look back at the book of Ephesians today. We're gonna go back to talking about the we we started two weeks ago t- talking about righteousness. Talking about the armor of God. How many of you have um you know in in January we're gonna be really praying for some warm weather, right? February. Many of us have probably grumbled over the course of the last week about the weather and especially the humidity. You know, like you walk outside and think, I, I thought I dried off when I got out of the shower. Or where was, how, how did this happen? I mean, how did I get soaked? I'm sweating and all I did was walked outside. Uh, so, so the other night I was cutting wood it was late in, in later afternoon and and I, I was just covered in wood chips and sweat and stink and just done you know so I finally got all done and and I went in the house and and got to the shower as soon as I can and I, I went to bed shortly after that do you know what it's like when you when you've been sweaty and hot and sticky and you take a shower and you climb in bed and you wake up the next morning and you feel just feel like, man, this feels, the sheets just feel so good, I don't even want to get out of bed. Anybody ever experience that? That's, maybe you're going, that's way too much information, Pastor. I don't want to go there. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about? We talked about imparted righteousness two weeks ago, and that's kind of what that reminds me of. It's like regardless of the sweat and the stink and the dirt of the world that I've exposed myself to, regardless of what I've gone through, when I accept Jesus and he places his righteousness in me, it's just like laying there in bed going, you know, I don't want to get out of bed. This is just 
It's just right. This is just right. It's just how God's righteousness kind of floods us. I've told you over and over as we've gone through this. Now, we're 16 weeks into this message in Ephesians, and I've told you over and over that Paul sets the stage for us in Ephesians chapter 1. So before we talk about righteousness, before we talk about this, I'm going to go back and we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1. This is why it took our men's Bible study a year and a half to get through the book of Romans, but we're going to start in chapter 1 again. I want you to get this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, it was God's choice to make Paul an apostle to God's holy people in Ephesus. He's speaking to the church, the faithful in Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to our God and Father. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing that there is in Christ Jesus. Verse four, for he chose us. You can put your name in there. You can just read that. You can say he chose Bryce. You can read that to Bryce. You can read that to Grace. You can read that to, you can put your name in there. He chose Tim in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. God has chosen us to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. Holy and blameless. Is that how you define yourself? Not generally, right? You put that on your mirror in the bathroom as you go to shave or brush your teeth. Tim is holy and righteous. Tim is holy and righteous. In love, Tim is holy. We don't see ourselves that way. But God's word does, right? That's what his word says. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God freely bestowed all of this on us. In him, in who? In Jesus, right? In him, we have redemption through his blood Forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Do you walk around every day going, man, alive, I've got wisdom, I've got understanding, I've got his grace, my sins have been washed away. Do you have that joy on a daily? Some of you don't even have that joy today, (laughs) let alone on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday when things are going downhill. We can walk in that joy in him. In in me? Not in me. But in him we can. He made known to us the mystery of his will. God, the God who created the universe, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on, and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been, pre- having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything out in conformity with... In other words, God's got a plan, and he's clued us into it. He's given us wisdom to see his plan. That's... That's what those last three verses said. He's got a plan. 
in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. When you changed your life, when your life was transformed by turning it over to Jesus Christ, we, we say this, that we're, positionally we are in Christ. It's like, I, like before I was doing life on my own and all you could see was me. All you could see was the stuff that I was doing. Sometimes I thought I was doing pretty good. Sometimes I knew I wasn't doing pretty good, but what you saw was me. Any righteousness that I had was Tim trying to do as good as he can. But all of a sudden, along comes Christ and I am in him and now you no longer see Tim. What you see is Jesus, right? That's what God sees. Now Tim sometimes shows up, generally going down the highway. When somebody cuts him off, Tim shows up. I don't like this. If you're following me too close behind, I might just tap my brakes and see how serious you are about tagging me. I'm just, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. There's a a cost to this, by the way. I'm going to get to the cost, by the way. There's a cost to Tim trying to play tag on occasion with cars doing 70 miles an hour. That's not a good thing, right? If I'm out playing tag with a car... Any kids here under 17, you should probably plug your ears. Or <laughs> Should have been plugging your ears. If you're out doing that stuff and get a ticket, don't come to me and say, I'm being persecuted. <laughs> the devil's attacking me. The devil isn't attacking you. You've been sowing bad seed. You're sowing corn. Guess what you're going to get? Corn. You sowed peas, don't expect to reap corn. You're not going to get it. If you... if well, that's another sermon. There's a whole other sermon. Back to the notes. Sometimes I just need the notes. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, when you accepted Jesus, you were sealed with the Holy Ghost. He knows who you are, and he's got an investment in your life. There's, there's been a deposit made. I'm here to tell you, if God makes a deposit in your life, it's because he wants to do something in your life, Gary. He doesn't want to leave you sitting on the edge, right? He's put something in you already. He wants to make sure that this thing grows. He wants to make sure that it goes. He's got an investment there. And then Paul prays this for the early church. For this reason, because of all of that, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul says, I want above all things, I want you to know God better. Why do you suppose that is? Why do you suppose that is? Have you ever misread somebody? Have you ever misread somebody? And you know, that Raymond, he's kind of arrogant. He really kind of stuck up. There's just something about that Raymond. I'm just not sure. You know, he's loud. He's kind of blah, blah, blah. There are all these things about Raymond. But you know, you get to know him, and you know how God has worked in his life and the change and the transformation that's in there, and you go, you know what? He's all right. He's all right. Got some edges we're going to work on, but he's all right. He got some rough spots, 
But he's all right. God's working. Paul says, I want you to know God better. Because once we do that, all of a sudden I can begin to, I can begin to, my wife and I, you know, we've been married 35 years, 35, right? Six, 35, 36, somewhere now. My wife and I have been married more than 30 years. And there are times when I just know what she's thinking. Clear across the room, she doesn't got to say nothing. I know what she's thinking. Get me out of here. She knows. See, there's times when I'm going to tell a story, and she'll correct it before I get to the part that's wrong. Because she's heard me tell it wrong so many times. That's why God wants us to know Jesus more. So that we're closer, we begin to think like him. We begin to act. You know, they say old married couples begin to look like each other. It's because we're sitting in the rocker at the same time. We're using the same muscles. You know, it's like, hey, how's it going? God, 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 you know. We're, we're, look, we're hanging around each other all the time. Of course, they say that a guy kind of looks like his dog usually too. So I'm not really sure about that. But we need to be know Jesus in such a way that we begin to look like him. We see what's going on in a scenario. God gives us wisdom. He gives us insight so that as we're walking into this scenario, we can say, you know what? I know how Jesus had finished this conversation before we even get to the punchline. Right? We might not like that. We might want to jump up and go, you know, this is about Tim, and I don't like the way you're behaving. But Jesus might say, extend grace son you don't know where they're coming from I know where they're coming from I know their hurts I know their backgrounds extend grace extend mercy extend grace extend mercy Jesus had people following him all over the place and it wasn't just because he fed 5,000 he had people the people were there before he fed them why because he was the very nature of God he was love he was peace he was joy we just we just sang that song and that's what we need to, to live in. Paul says, I want you, I want you to know God better. Then he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He's got an inheritance inside of his holy people. That's what we call the church. God's inheritance is in the church. His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. That's the power that God wants us to know and to walk in. That's the power God wants us to know and to walk. He wants us to know God in such a way that we are ready to extend a hand of grace, we're ready to extend a hand of peace, that we're ready to walk in his power, his light, his life, his peace, his joy. Peace, the Bible says, beyond understanding. Far above rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that's invoked. Not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus and appointed him to be Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness, who grab this one, his body, the fullness of him 
who fills everything in every way. God's body fulfills, God's body is the fullness of Christ. We're the fullness of God. What, What does that mean? Have you ever heard people talk about church that's empty, church that's dry, church that's boring, church that's, yeah, I'd go, but who cares? What, what, what difference does it make? We should be the fullness of God. We should be the fullness. They should, people should come in. And not, it's not about hellfire and brimstone preaching. It's about how we live our life when we walk outside of these doors. People should go, you know what? There's a fullness that's there. There's a hope that's there. Every time I'm around that guy, I'm just encouraged. Every time I'm around that guy, I feel like there's just something good that's going on. I like being around that individual. I like being around that lady. Is that how people talk about us as a church, as, as a body of people? Is that how God, is that how people talk about you? Is that how people talk about me? I told that one guy, I've told you this before, one guy, when I used to own a, an auto glass business, I didn't have room to deliver my, to have my stuff delivered, so I went to a shipping company every morning and I picked up my windshields. And the owner of the shipping company is unloading a truck and he's got a forklift and a, a 12-foot rod sticking out the front of it to unload carpet, and he's backing out of the semi with this roll of carpet, and I'm, walk, I'm 20 feet away, trying to get my windshields all lined up for the day, and he shuts off the forklift. I'm not bragging. He shuts off the, really, I'm not. You're going to hear this. He shuts off the forklift, and he says, you know, I just love when you come in here. You remind me of a pregnant woman. (laughs) How far along? You know, I mean, just a little bit pregnant, or like, are we really pregnant? And he's like, no, 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 it's not that. He said, you know the glow that's on a, a pregnant woman's face? I said, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. He said, every time you come in, I just feel like there's this, he said, I, I, just, I just get it. You're, just, you're in the building. I just get it. I just feel that. Folks, that's nothing special about me. The only thing about me that's special is Jesus, right? The, the people, is that kind of how they see you? Is that how they feel you? Because I'm here to tell you, that's what Paul is praying for. That's what should be happening in our lives. That there's just something different about us. That righteousness that we talked about, I just told you two weeks ago, there's, there's three kinds of righteousness. There's self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is no good. Right? We walk around all arrogant. We got it all figured out. Ain't nobody got it, but we got it. That's exactly what happened to Saul before Saul became Paul, before he met Jesus. He had all the religious rules and regulations down. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was in church a lot. He was in synagogue a lot. He knew. He probably he knew the Torah in and out. He knew this thing. But he knew all the rules and the regulations. It's got to be this way, and you've got to have that festival, and you've got to have this, and this has to happen, and that has to happen, and this it has to go this way, or else. You got all these rules and regulations you have to follow or else. You know, we can go out in the world and we can be like that and we can even cause people to tremble a little bit when we walk in the room. Oh, here comes righteous Bob, man. Everybody knows he's coming. We can make people just a little bit scared of us even because we got all these rules and regulations. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's like, I want you to walk in a righteousness that's the taste, that's the flavor, that's the sense of God. When you walk away, they're not worried about you and what you think. They care less what you think. What's the flavor of God that's left behind? 
I told you that that imparted righteousness is what Jesus gives us when we step into forgiveness. All of a sudden, we're free. We're free from the guilt of our sin. We're free from the past. We're free from the junk. We've got this righteousness inside of us. But then Paul calls us not only to have that righteousness inside of us, but to be the flavor of that righteousness around us. I don't know how else to put it. That we walk in such right behavior. I know that Paul's talking about spiritual warfare here. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the closer we get to Jesus, the more he fights our battles, right? Right. I don't got to fight my battle. What's that old song? If the Lord had not been on our side, all our enemies would have swallowed us alive. He fights our battles. I need to get so close to Jesus that that the enemy doesn't want to come near me. How about that for a little new theory? Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. Let's think about that. You get so close to Jesus, the enemy doesn't even want to mess around. Like, eh, not going there. We're told to take our thoughts captive. And Paul tells us that in Corinthians. Take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. And when that's done, he says, I want you to go ahead and punish that thought that was not obedient to Christ. You think, well, how do I do that? Here's how you do that. It's another sermon. Here's how you do that, though. You're struggling with anxiety. You're struggling with guilt. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with fear. You're struggling with pornography. You're struggling with alcohol. I don't care what it is you're struggling with. Those thoughts come in, and they start taking you down this road, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, anxiety. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, I can't get a hold of it. Oh, oh, I can't get a hold of it. I can't get, can't get a hold of it. And you, Paul says, take those thoughts captive, and submit them to Christ. Well, what does that mean, submit them to Christ? We just read what it means, submit them to Christ. You got all this fear, this anxiety. Go back and let the devil know you've also got every spiritual blessing that's ever been given in Christ Jesus, and according to Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness, temperance, and against such, there's no rules. There's no law against that. You should be able to have all the peace. You can't have too much peace in your life. Right? There's not a rule that says you can only have four bars of peace. That's it. Anything above that, and you've got to give it to the government. There's no rule about how much peace you can have in your life. Right? You've seen guys walk around. It's like that speaker we had last week, Larry, I'm telling you, this guy just, to me, he just exudes peace. He just so walks in a room, and it's just like, Folks, we can live that way. Not only can, we should. We should. We have it before us. The Holy Spirit comes in. He wants to move in our life and give us peace. Like a river, I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. It should flow out of us. You heard of soap dispensers? We should be hope dispensers. There should be a peace that just flows out of us. The Bible calls it a, a, a living, a rivers of living water. Okay, so this righteousness that we can walk in, it, it's, it, it comes from being in right relationship with God, and it comes from nothing else, nothing else. You don't have any righteousness in and of yourself. You don't. 
As much as you try, you can try and follow all the rules of the Old Testament, all the regulations. You can try and find all the... That's not going to give you righteousness. Our righteousness comes from being in Christ. And when we focus on that, when we know Jesus, when we walk in him, we've got that... That's what flows behind us. People go, you know what? I can follow that guy. There's, there's a peace there. There's a righteousness there. There's a hope there. I like being around Joan. I like being around Crystal. I like being around Annette. I really like being around Linda and Lonnie. I just, I just love being, because there's, there's, there's righteousness. I had a business owner tell me this week that he, uh, he did some work on his personal property. And a uh, fella that was doing some of the work for him, cussing and swearing and doing this and doing that, all that. And then the, the guy tells him, well, you know, the good part is, the good part is you can write all this off. You know, because you got, you got a business, so you can write all this off. And he said, I looked at him and I said, I cannot do that. That's one thing I cannot do. Because the Father knows that I can't do that. I, I, I stand before God. This is my personal property. And the guy, even though the guy five minutes before was just cussing like crazy, pats him on the arm and he said, that's the right answer. That's what I wanted to hear. You see, the world's looking. The world's looking. There is even going to be tests. Well, you talk about faith. You got all this faith. God's moving in your life. There's all these things going on. What about this? Woof. And there's a firestorm behind you. How are you going to walk through that? You're going to walk through it with hope? You're going to walk through it with life? The enemy's, the enemy's looking. The Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We've got God's peace inside us. We get the opportunity to walk in righteousness. This, this thing about righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that. Think about that. You and I, because of what Jesus did, can become the righteousness of God in this community. We buy that? We believe that? You think, well, I don't know, Pastor. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty tall chapter. That, that's why Paul set us up in Ephesians. That's why he, he told us in Ephesians all the things that we have in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Uh, Rather... Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Clothe yourself with Jesus. Get to know him better. And as you walk like he walked, there's going to be a right. You don't have to put up some kind of a false righteousness. Right? The breastplate of righteousness. I haven't even gotten to our main text yet. You know that? Haven't got to our main text yet. John says, James rather says, draw close to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If we begin to walk in God's righteousness, if we begin to walk in his peace, we get closer and closer to Jesus. Draw close to God. Resist the devil and he's going to track you down. No. Draw close to God, resist the devil, and he's going to tempt you anyhow. Draw close to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee. He's going to flee. He's going to go. He's going to leave. 
I can't, I can't get past this temptation. Yeah, you can. Draw close to God and resist the devil. Well, I'm trying to draw close to God. Yeah, but are you trying to resist the devil? You know, do we flee youthful lust like the Bible says, or do we just, you know, kind of go slow and see if it catches up with us? I don't want to go that way, but if you catch up to me real quick, then we're... God is calling us to walk in righteousness. He's calling us to exude Jesus Christ to this community. And I believe, I've I've been saying it for years, but I believe it. I believe he's calling the church to do more and to be more, not not just doing a bunch of things, but to, to be the gospel, to be the good news. Finally, brethren, Paul says in Ephesians 6, Let's finish with my starting text. How's that? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the devil's scheme. You realize Paul doesn't tell us we got to arm wrestle with the devil and see who wins? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm having a real battle with the devil. No, probably not. You might be having a a battle with your flesh. You might be having a battle with your mind. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. You can just take a stand. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of the dark of this world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, stand you know what I can be tempted I can be I can be all this garbage comes at me but if I'm willing to just stand and say I've got every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus I'm going to draw close to God on that one God I need your help in this one I need you to to reveal that to me you've given it to me you've given it to me that's where the belt of truth comes in we have to know what the word says we can walk in truth only if we know it if we know it's there you got to get it in you but then you can stand. You go, you know, I don't have to fight all these battles. I got to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's God's righteousness giving us that peace, that overwhelming sense of peace that we've been forgiven. And then it's us walking in that righteousness following behind us because we're leaving a trail of Jesus. It's not pixie dust. It's Jesus. It's not butterflies and unicorns. It's Jesus. It's hope. It's life. It's joy. It's reality. It's reality that we can walk in this. I told you the story. I know I've told you the story. My cousin was killed in a tragic car accident. He was 17 years old. His mom and dad, it was January. He He was hit by a, he was riding a snowmobile and he was hit by a truck. It's January, and it is cold January in Hibbing. And there was a line of kids out the door of the funeral home, which was in the middle of the block, to the end of the block, clear down to the other end of the block, and around the corner. And this kid's, this, this young man, his mom and dad, walked every person past the casket and talked about him. Every kid, every, every person. They had people, bond, they, you know what they were doing? They were walking in God's strength. They were dispensing the gospel. They're saying, you know, we know God loves Steve. We know Steve loved God. This was a tragic accident. And they were able to share the gospel and the love of Christ with every one of them. Why? Because of anything within them? 
because of Christ in them. Folks, we need to draw close to God. We need to walk in his righteousness. And that's not a whole bunch of rules and regulations. It's about his righteousness. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming areas of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for all of the Lord's people. We're going to close today. Because I still got five pages to go. (laughs) So we're going to close today. But trust me when I tell you, God wants us to walk in his righteousness. He wants people to sense that you've been in his presence because the righteousness that comes out of you is not your righteousness. It's not based on you. It's, It's not based on anything you could do. Instead, they know that you've been in God's presence because they've experienced life and they've experienced joy and they've experienced God's right standing, his rightness, just by being in your presence. We have that opportunity, folks. We do. That's what the word tells us. That's what Paul's telling us. Press in. Father, I thank you for each person here, each person who's watching us online. God, I pray that as we lean into you, as we press into you, as we get to know you better, as Paul prayed, as we get to know you better, we'll walk in your truth. We'll walk in your light. We'll walk in your righteousness. We're going to discover that the rules and the regulations need to fall away sometimes because we need to find out what's going on in the heart of that person that just needs to know that Jesus loves them. They need to know the gospel. They need to know the good news. They need to know that Jesus Christ died for their sin, died to set them free, died so that they could walk in righteousness. God, I pray that you would give us a heart of compassion. Help us to live this out on a daily basis. Father, freely we've received, according to your word, we've received your righteousness freely. We didn't pay anything for it. So freely we could be dispensers of it. I pray you'd bless each person that hears this message, each person that hears your word. Father, help us to have ears that would hear what you're saying to us. Help us to walk in that truth and that life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have yourselves a wonderful day and go out and be a dispenser of hope and light.